This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Don't be a pussy, laser my fucking tits. Welcome to The Girls on the Boys, a podcast dedicated to analyzing the Amazon series The Boys and the spicy world of soups and stereotypes. I'm Jen Adams. And I am Rachel Reeves. And we're here. We have made it to the finale of season two. I'm so excited. Today we are talking about what I know. I don't know what this title is supposed to mean, but whatever I'm going to call it. uh, I don't know. What I know is that there's a lot of things that happened in this episode that I was not expecting. <laughs> I know, and I cannot wait. I'm so excited. Before we started, I was telling Rachel, I was like, there are like four episodes that I've had in my mind, and I'm like, I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to get there. And we're here. So let's yes. see. Maybe this is, I don't know, Riot Girls could be a good episode. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out a clever pussy w- word for it, and I just can't do it. So anyways, um, yeah, girls definitely get it done, and we're going to yes. get this episode done, and so excited. But before we do, let's check in with our first category, which is Huey, Cutie, and the News. So Rachel, do we have any updates? Yeah, well, kind of. In the world of Gen V, because strikes are still, <laughs> the SAG after <laughs> strikes are still going on. So mm-hmm. no word yet on season four, but Gen V is going strong and it has been greenlit for a second season before the first season's even done. So that's pretty wild. That's awesome. Um, especially in today's current climate. And following that announcement, Kripke reflected on his track record of predicting the future for his shows and his early season five departure from Supernatural which then went on for another 10 seasons. Yes. <laughs> and historically, Kripke has speculated that the boys would probably last five seasons. Hmm. Um, so what he said about that was, I have since realized that literally no one in history is worse at predicting the amount of seasons of a show, like literally. <laughs> I have learned my lesson and I've stopped predicting how many seasons these shows go. You will find out in hindsight. So <laughs> I think that's kind of funny because, Interesting. You know, yeah. yeah. Apparently he never thinks that any of his projects are going to have some sort of extended life. And so far, it's been looking like, nope, everything's been going pretty good. So I thought that was pretty funny. And yeah, who knows? Maybe the boys and Gen V will surpass both of those five seasons. TBD. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'll watch them. Although I watched, um, I've watched most of Supernatural. There are a couple of like really late episodes I missed. And like, and you haven't watched Supernatural, right? No, it is. It's one of those shows where you just you know how many seasons there are, and it's like that's that's too much. That's overwhelming. It feels daunting. Yeah, I know because I, I I have to finish it. Right. Like if I yeah. start it, I, I I will have to finish it, and that's like, well, there goes three years of my life. <laughs> right. It was for me. It was an early pandemic binge, and. Mike Rothman was also watching it for the first time too so we were kind of texting back and forth so that helped me but I think otherwise if he had not been talking about how much he was loving it I don't think I would have watched it 
Um, but the season five finale, lots of people think that is the best episode. Lots of people think that's the best season. There are some who say that that is where the show should have ended. Although what? I think there are some really great, epi- like my favorite episode is the 200th episode, like, mm. which is, I think in season 10 might be in season 11. It's the musical episode. It makes me cry every time. Oh. Um, but so, yeah, I don't know. I'm interested. Like part of me wants to say, that I want the show to go as long as Kripke wants to be involved with it, you know? And yeah, because I, you can tell a difference in supernatural when he left. And I feel like that show has a network feel state. Like it feels like a CW show and an Eric Kripke show. Right. And this one feels like Eric Kripke, you know, totally. it doesn't, it feels like his baby, his vision, his thing. And I just don't know if I want to see anybody else take it on, you know? No, and I feel like there's there's nothing worse than like a show that you really love when you're just like, okay, what are we doing here? And it just kind of fizzles. It's like <clears> I'd rather something. Dexter. <clears throat> yeah, or like you know, I I even hate to say it, but even something like Glow, where yeah. it just kind of ends, or even mm. even Hannibal to some extent, or like The Exorcist show, where it just ends, and you're like, what? No, I want so much more. But I, I'd almost rather it just like go out than just fizzle and be depressing because that's almost worse like oh come on you guys why did you do this so I guess we'll see yeah what happens well and I was thinking because I think you read a quote from him when we talked about the season one finale where you were talking about or he was talking about how each season finale is also a trailer for the next season and I think we can see that in this finale but I think with the supernatural season five finale, it's like this was where it was gonna end. This is how I was going to end it, and mm-hmm. it's almost like that Parks and Rec episode, the uh, the bye bye, the Sebastian, the concert, oh, you know, Sebastian. the Unity concert, <laughs> and it's which I love, and I just kind of pretend that's the last episode, you know, because that's it feels like closure. So, but I don't know. You keep putting hot people in this show and giving people powers and making it funny, and I'll probably keep watching. Um, yeah. So. I will say, like, now that we've had two season finales, I mean, the show knows how to do season finales. It really <laughs> like, does. Yeah. Like, there's just enough loose ends tied up, just enough, like, you know, some final arcs to these storylines, but then just saves some incredible bits to drop and just leave you just salivating for more. So, yep. I will Ooh. say, two for two so far. Well, and on that note, let's start talking about them. So let's talk about the name of the game. Um, Today's episode is called What I Know. And here's our description. It's in all caps. I probably won't yell because I just coughed in your ear and yelled at Dexter. So just imagine my insistent proclaiming. All right. Supervillain alert. You are receiving this notification from the Department of Homeland Security. A supervillain alert has been issued for your area. Please be vigilant and report any suspicious persons or activity. If you believe you have seen a supervillain, do not approach or attempt to apprehend them. Contact law enforcement immediately. Okay, I started channeling Dewey in uh, Scream 2 when he's saying that really long sentence and just trying to spit it all out. But I hope that y'all all heard like the sirens going off as I was mm-hmm. uh, reading that. So yeah, I, I really appreciate that one, especially like reading it and then starting this episode with what it begins with. Yeah. So this episode was directed by Alex Graves. 
And this is a cute story. He was so inspired by Star Wars when he was a kid that he decided to pursue filmmaking. And he even went to USC, just like George Lucas. <laughs> um, and after a few kind of early feature film sort of experiments, he fell in love with television and has worked there ever since as a director and largely as a producer. So his big credits include West Wing, where he directed 34 episodes, but produced 104 episodes. I love Um, West Wing. (laughs) I know. And like 100. Yeah. So he's produced a lot. lot. And then Fringe, Altered Carbon, Game of Thrones. He directed six episodes, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) And then Winter is Coming. I know. Um, It's too soon. (laughs) I know. Sorry. I have a lot of feelings about that show. The new um, sci-fi shows that are going on right now, I think are going on right now, Lost in Space and Foundation. So, yeah, he's got some he's got some chops, but I believe this is his first episode of The Boys. So, you know what? Just come in and just drop it and peace out. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Just blow our heads all up and then, Mm -hmm. you know, move on. Um, All right. Well, for our next category, um. Sup with the soups, which is where we recap what's been happening and meet our fearless soups and boys where we are. Rachel, because you saved my ass this week when <laughs> I was just swamped with Halloween stuff, um, would you care to read our synopsis for this week since sure. you wrote it? <laughs> sure. So in the last episode, Homelander and Stormfront took their relationship public. And also to Mm. Becca's doorstep. Mm. Who knew their master plan for global soup domination included undermining loving parents and turning their super-powered kids against them? Well, that's what they did. And um, Lamplighter was struggling to carry the weight of his past actions and attempts to cope, you know, with just some casual daytime porn watching with Huey acting as his babysitter. Uh, Starlight's mom accidentally gets her captured labeled publicly as a traitor and locked away in bot tower like a true damsel in distress <laughs> and and thusly immediately huey runs to her rescue with lamplighter in tow sadly lamplighter decides to go out in a ball of flaming glory when he realizes his legacy is not quite what he had imagined R. and lamplighter. yeah very sad r.i.p very sad very hot <laughs> yeah but ultimately starlight busts out on her own and finds herself self in a full-out brawl with black noir (laughs) um but luckily i guess queen Maeve swoops in and disarms noir with a secret candy (laughs) weapon (laughs) those goddamn almond joys (laughs) (laughs) um then butcher we see butcher navigating some daddy issues while frenchie and kimiko reconnect during a stakeout one i love to see the other not so much so i'll let you decide which one is which? And then all the shit hits the fan as heads begin to explode during Newman's congressional hearing against Bot. But who did it? I don't know. Well, then we do now, and we're oh, yes. going to talk about it. <laughs> Ooh, I could not remember when that was when that reveal was going to happen, but. Um... You know what? Let's just skip right to it. I know that happens at the very end, but I want to talk about Victoria Newman because I've been sitting on this for a while. I've been trying to not like be real weird about asking you, how are you feeling about Victoria Newman? Yep. So tell me when you saw um, Alistair's head explode and we get confirmation that it's Victoria Newman, who is the head popper. How are you feeling about that? I mean, it was it was twofold. 
like one shocked that Alistair's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because just the way they were setting him up with things like with Edgar and like the way he was playing with A-Train and the Deep and kind of like all these little chess moves that we were seeing him do. I mean, it's funny. We're just talking about Game of Thrones, but it was kind of that thing where it was just like, wait, that character's just gone? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like I thought they were going to be around. Like, I thought you were setting them up to be like part of this bigger picture and just gone. So that was shocking. And then when it's kind of revealed that Newman is hanging outside his his gate, I was also like, wait, what? She's a soup? Oh, my God. Like, my head exploded. <laughs> I know. Oh my goodness. And I was reading, um, I did some um I wrote about this for a while ago, and apparently she didn't know when they cast oh. her that she was gonna be a soup. So like cool. she's which I think is probably the best way to play that kind of character because you're not looking she's not like winking at the camera or she's not like twir- twirling her mustache when she says right. stuff. Like I was completely blown away when that development happened and I was like Oh, this is interesting. Well, and I think it was executed really well because just like how Alistair, it felt like they were setting his character up for so much more. I do feel like her character was kind of ancillary in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, she was there and she was serving a purpose as kind of this like more traditional, like, this is how you solve these problems. You got to go through this process and like trust the system and that kind Mm -hmm. of idea. But at the same time, I didn't really understand why she was there almost like mm-hmm. other than to just represent government, I guess, yeah. <laughs> and this other sort of authority outside of Vought. Um, and so now it's like, oh, okay. Like I can see why she's kind of been here and in the sidelines and they were just saving, you know, saving her, waiting for the right moment to execute that. So I kind of like that because it just completely flipped my expectations for these two characters and what where I thought this whole show was going for this next yeah. phase. So it was very cool. Well, and it's so interesting because we've just, not to step on the Spice Girls, but we've just seen Huey talk about, like, I want to fought, fight Vought the right way. I want to mm-hmm. fight soups, like, above board, quote unquote. And then as soon as she does this, we see Huey walk into her office and apply for a job. So it's like even... When you try to fight the right way, like, it's just, it's impossible. Um, yeah. And, or is it? And, well, I think that's super interesting. And I'm sure that we'll see more of it, you know, in the future. But it's like, is this kind of the idea where, like, every system is corrupt? Right. <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's not like one is better than the other. It's just everything is corrupt in some way. You know, so all these power structures have their issues. Yeah. Or is it a case where Newman is maybe fighting from the inside and just sort of like is she like actually practicing what she preaches but just sort of keeping this little power a secret because uh, you know sometimes that's what you got to do you got to break break a few eggs you know but maybe but i don't know i guess we'll find out but all these a little bit yeah yeah, like all these things are just like racing through my head (laughs) well and you know i got so excited that i didn't introduce our categories bad boys or spice girls mm. and i think it's interesting because i don't know given what we know now i don't know where i would put her on this list oh totally we think about like you know she blew up alistair not a good guy she blew up mr vaught's head not a good guy and she blew mm-hmm. up a bunch of people now she did kill um the cia head person yeah um, Ray- rayner 
Rainer, yeah. yeah, Susan Rainer. Mm-hmm. But like, I just don't think we know enough about her yet to know because Starlight and Kimiko are both soups too. And like you were saying, yeah, it's like maybe she's maybe this is how she fights uh, under you know she she's hitting it from both angles, you know. Yeah, I'm not sure if she's good either. Yeah, because it's like it makes me almost want to go back and see that episode, like that very like that episode where Rainer <laughs> exploded because mm-hmm. I want I can't remember what she said, but it's like why why her. Yeah. Like, why did that happen? Does she know? Is that maybe? Was she covering her tracks in some capacity? And then that big, you know, episode in the courtroom, like, there were there were some soups mm-hmm. that also died that she killed. But it's like, wait, was there any, was there any innocent people that, you know, quote unquote, innocent? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And it's hard to tell, mm-hmm. although I will say knowing and looking for it this time, it is shot so well because we see a lot of like reaction shots from her yeah. that you think, if you don't know, are her thinking, oh, what the fuck is happening? But you also see her looking at the people whose heads are popping too. And That's so interesting. It's just, it's, I, go back and watch just that yeah. scene too because it's really cool once you know, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, oh, I so wanted to say it in our last episode. So I'm saying it now, but it's just, it's very well done. And I think it's a, a one of those kind of reveals that I think is very smartly built all the way through and then really pays off in a, in a fantastic way that makes me super excited for season three. You know, I think this is the pitch for season three kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and another thing that we're going to talk about in our bad boys category, which is where we talk about our, our bad boys. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe we should start with the baddest boy of them all, Homelander. Um, and I just, man, I've got a thing for hot blonde men covered in blood <laughs> because at the end of this episode, now I'm not saying he's a good character and I'm very, he's a bad guy. He's a very bad guy. Yes. But man, he is just beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah. He goes through it in this episode. Yeah, he really does. It's, it's, this is an interesting episode for him because He's doing all these terrible things. He's still an awful person, but mm-hmm. there is some humanity in him, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. So it starts with him having kidnapped his son. Yes. So, yeah. So they took Ryan and maybe it's just not going quite as they planned. <laughs> they take him to, what is it? Planet Vought? Planet Vought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Olander and Stormfright get just completely overwhelmed. Um. And it seems like he's having some sort of, you know, panic attack, social anxiety. He's been trapped away. Like, he has no idea what's going on. Oh, yeah. And they take him to the cabin. And it's it's interesting. They t- So they take him to this cabin. And it, like, I actually thought that Homelander was very sweet with Ryan mm-hmm. in this moment. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't frustrated. He was giving him space. And he was, like, just talking to him in one of the most genuine ways like scenes I think that we've ever seen Homelander like connecting with another person Mm -hmm. it's like oh he's trying to be a good dad he really is and I think you know we have been talking about like he needs somebody he can be vulnerable with or he can who understands him and I think most of the time we're talking about that it's like with a romantic partner or a friend but here like this is another person who can maybe understand how he feels you know and he's talking about the first time he was around people and he just flew off and was crying. And I think that is, I don't know if he's ever said that out loud before, you know, and I think it's Mm -hmm. really, this could be a really great development in his life if he weren't so 
just awful from the inside, you know? And I wrote, <laughs> is Ryan is hearing this, this Superman essentially saying that he was crying. Yeah. And he said, yes, but I'm a man. And I just wrote, so close. <laughs> I know. So close to getting it. But yeah, but I did just, really like that scene a lot. Yeah. He's just not, not quite there. And then <laughs> there's a moment where Stormfront's like talking to Ryan Oh. And just kind of ends up turning the conversation into some very questionable territory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> White genocide and the Nazi news. <laughs> oh yeah. So she, yeah, yeah, starting to try to tell Ryan, like, oh, yeah, you know, just it's white genocide and. And everybody, you know, is just coming after us. And you, it's funny because you can see this look on Homelander's face like, wait, what? Yeah. Which is so interesting to see him being like, okay, even that's too far for me, you know, yeah. or that's too far for even me. Yeah. But he doesn't say, you know, he doesn't no, he actually doesn't say correct it. her or say anything, but there's just a moment of like, hmm, okay. Mm. And um, so that was interesting. But ultimately we find out, you know, the, the Nazi news breaks about Stormfront and then shit mm. goes off the fan and lots of, you know, Butcher comes in and takes Ryan back and, yeah, it's kind of funny. I feel like in some ways Homelander reached like a new level of peace in this episode almost and was like really on some sort of track to be a family man and that mm-hmm. feels like his life is looking up and that it just makes such a quick U-turn and just, wow. I don't know yeah. if we've seen Homelander get quite this disconnected mm-hmm. and like like really feeling like I mean, it looks like he's just dead inside by the time yeah. this episode ends. Just completely dead inside. Oh, his pupils are like pinpricks. It yeah. It is so scary. And that was when I was very into it, too. <laughs> yeah. it was also very hot. But yeah, it's like he... And it's so funny because when the end happens and Ryan, which we're going to talk about, Ryan accidentally kills Becca... And it's like Homelander is still kind of trying to have this dad moment, but he Mm -hmm. just doesn't know how because he doesn't actually know how to love people. And so he's saying kindly, like, he killed Becca. You know, he doesn't even think that maybe I should watch how I phrase this if I want Ryan to come with me. It just isn't something that even factors into him because he's just not capable of that. Whereas somebody like Butcher, I think... Because, yes, he is like withered down to a hardened shell in a lot of ways, but he still has that capacity to love inside him. And it's so interesting. It's like um, Homelander is trying this on for the first time. Yeah. And Butcher is like rediscovering this like fatherness. But yeah, we see like he and I think that's why he gets so stony at the end is because he was like, this is what happens when I let myself open up when I say maybe I can be a dad maybe I can be better maybe I can mm-hmm. love somebody or trust somebody and they leave me and you know I understand that feeling but also it's entirely because of his own actions so you know and yeah and he definitely gets it's one thing after another so like you know at first mm-hmm. he realizes that Vought and Edgar have kind of betrayed him because mm-hmm. they send because Edgar ends up working with Butcher to get Ryan back made a deal and so there's actual like Vought people there taking his son and or like we're going to come take his son but which already did and so it's like okay cool just got betrayed by this company that I work for mm-hmm. and so that's awesome and then you know loses Stormfront 
no coming back from that. Cool. This person that I thought like we were going to be this power couple in this new era of my life and this relationship gone. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, Becca's gone and his son chooses to go with Butcher. So it's just like literally everything in his life, his career, his romantic relationship, this, you know, opportunity, his child and this opportunity to be a father, like he loses everything in such a short span. And Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, these are all results of his own decisions, but I'm trying to think like how he would see that, like none of this was really his fault. Oh yeah. Or like it was kind of like outside of his control almost. Yeah. And I don't think that he likes being in that position. No, I don't think so. And I agree. I think, you know, he is a narcissist and I don't think he has done any, I think he, he sees himself as the victim, which is what I think is so interesting is that look he gives Stormfront because she's saying they're out to get us. And I think he feels that way about himself. Like he feels like he, well, he's just the star of everything, but yeah, I Mm -hmm. don't think he's done. He thinks he's done anything wrong. But it's also interesting because we see this press conference at the end where he gets this really dead-eyed look because the one thing he still has is the seven. And he Mm -hmm. is still like probably the most famous superhero in the entire world, the strongest man in the world. So he still has that. But I think he has now seen how empty that actually is. Whereas before, I think that was enough for him. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, what, what does he have now, which is really scary, you know? Yeah. You know, it's like there's that saying, better to have loved and lost than never have loved at all. And I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know if this has served him well. It just reminded me of Jaws, you know, they're talking like his lifeless eyes, black eyes, (laughs) like a doll's eyes. It's like, oh, yeah, it's Hope Lantern. (laughs) Yeah. You know, what's so funny. I just kind of glanced at that quote and I thought it was from Halloween. And not no. Jaws. <laughs> from Jaws. <laughs> yeah. And it's like when he comes at you, it doesn't seem to be living until he bites you. It's like, oh my God, that's where Homelander is now. Homelander is in Jaws territory. Or he's just going to be a machine. He's going to be a Terminator now. Like he's just, you know, w- putting himself out there, being vulnerable and like, you know, actually embracing some of his emotions. This mm-hmm. is what it got him. And I can yeah. just see him be like, well, that was fun. Not doing that again. <laughs> like, let's yeah, just shut exactly. down. Shut down. Kill them mm-hmm. all. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see what happens in season three. I'm very excited to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to someone who doesn't look like she might be joining us in season three because she got pretty uh, fucked up in this episode. Let's talk about Stormfront. Yeah. Um, And we've already talked about her gross... Um like trying to manipulate Ryan too. Um, yeah. but, but she, yeah, she gets revealed as a Nazi and like an actual Nazi. And so it all is backfiring on her and everybody knows, and she is pissed and she's just got no more fucks to give. Yeah. Oh man. I love that. The new, like the news came out and I almost thought that, I was kind of surprised she didn't try to spin it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do hear her say like one thing about like a deep fake, right? She does. And she says, the thing I think is interesting is she says, people still agree with what I have to say. They just don't like the word Nazi, yeah. which I think is really interesting. And I don't, especially given where we are now and the things that we're seeing online and the things that we're seeing politicians in America say that really align with a lot of like fascist or dictatorship um, 
but we but it's that word that pushes people away it's not what's behind the word and i think that's a really interesting point for this villain to make to say no no if i just didn't have these pictures that's mm-hmm. probably what made the difference you know although i do think that there i don't know it's good that she was out <laughs> like yeah. she was bad but it's just interesting i think it's another really kind of deep commentary on where we are with that with racism and and you know nazism you know yeah i, w- I was surprised to hear so i mean this information comes out because a train steals it from the collect the church yeah, the collectives yeah. like archives mhm yes so that's where all this was, which I thought was really interesting because obviously Edgar reveals, you know, when he has a conversation with Butcher that he knows about this. Mm-hmm. Like he's known, but yeah. he, he's just choosing to kind of like look past it and be like, I have bigger goals. And mm-hmm. if it if I, if I have to accept this to reach my own goals, I will. Yeah. But it's you know and they're probably smart enough to not keep these records but the church has these records and mm-hmm. i i think she was surprised by that i think she was genuinely caught off guard because she probably i would have to imagine that she would have destroyed this if it was somewhere where she could have gotten to it or if she even knew it existed mm-hmm. i almost have to wonder if she even knew that they had this information <laughs> i think she probably didn't because i imagine if she did because look how quickly it takes her down you know yeah and like no coming back from it. And this is a character who has rebranded herself like at least twice, you know? Mm-hmm. So she could like it. Part of me wonders why she didn't just kind of lay low and try to, and I think she knows that this is inescapable, you know? And so yeah. if she knew that this kind of information was out there, I think she would have either targeted Alistair or, you know, because she doesn't seem to like it anymore. Like she's had conversations about the Church of the Collective and she's like, oh, no, 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 they're weird now. I'm not into it. And I think if she knew yeah. that they had this, she would either be like the Tom Cruise of that organization or like, mm-hmm. you know, trying to take him down. Um, yeah. I do think it's I just wrote memes aren't so funny when they're targeting you, are they? Because she does uh, really get a taste of her own medicine. But I want to I want to talk about Mr. Edgar, because I think that the way that it's really interesting, the way all of this plays out. But before that, actually, you know what? Let's save that big moment for shock and awe, because it's fucking incredible. And I love it. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Mr. Edgar, because he oh, he just says a lot of things that I think are so interesting in this. Like he's making this deal. Um, it's, you know, he is a black man and he is mm-hmm. keeping a train out of the seven because he knows that one of his, the, the soup that he is like protecting right now is racist and would be racist against him and would probably yeah. try to keep him out of his position of power too. But he says when he's talking to butcher, he says it's a white man's luxury, which I think is so interesting. It's like, I can't afford to have these principles. I have to be pragmatic, you know? Yeah. And I think he's also talking to because Butcher says something about like, doesn't that make you angry? Like, why aren't you like, doesn't that upset you? And, mm-hmm. you know, he's saying that's a white man's luxury. Yeah. Like, I can't come at this with anger. I have to come at this from a different way. And that's, yeah, I think that's a very interesting way to contextualize that idea, because I do think that that's true. And he has bigger fish to fry. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's like come to a place in himself where he's like, I'm going to just deal with this and overlook 
overlook this so I can achieve my goals. Doesn't mean I have to like it, but I'm willing to make that sort of internal agreement and come to peace with it in my own ways. But I, mm-hmm. I do think that him keeping a train out, at least for the moment, you know, it says that it like he he's not only aware of it, that he has compassion for it. And just because he's come to terms with it in his own way, he's not going to force that on somebody else and put them yeah. in that position. And I think that that shows that another level, I guess, that it's not quite he's not as cold as he appears, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and I think he's coming in the same way that I have a really hard time disliking A-Train, even though he does mm-hmm. all of these terrible things. I feel the same way about Mr. Edgar because I feel like he is coming from a system of oppression that I can't understand. And yeah. I can't understand what it would be like to be faced with these kinds of choices. And it, he, I think the problem I have with both of them, although we're going to talk about A-Train, um, but the the issue I think with Mr. Edgar is that he is supporting a system of oppression and he is perpetuating this racism literally because yeah. he is like protecting Stormfront. He's made her the centerpiece of the seven, knowing who she is and what she stands for and what that's going to lead to. And he's done it really for money and power. And yeah. but I also think that that probably comes from a place of not having money and power, you know, or coming from. Um, you know, a family that maybe didn't or, you know, just a place of oppression. And I think it's just, it's hard to feel, it's hard for me to feel as angry or as frustrated with him as it is with me, how I feel about the deep, you know, yeah. like you have, you have everything and you're mm-hmm. still acting like a little shithead, you know? And I think Mr. Edgar has made a lot, he's sold his soul, but he's made a very calculated decision and it's just, I don't know. And also just really like John Carlo Esposito too. I know. You know? Well, and, and he's not a superhero, right? Like the deep has right. that extra thing. What's like, okay, well, at the end of the day, like you're still a superhero. Like if I decide to take my stand, like take, take a stand and make a big deal out of this, like I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose, I could lose everything. And then I'm yeah. just an out of work person, <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. Or like he doesn't have those superheroes to fall back on. And I think that that's just something that he's keenly aware of. Not that it's right, but I can I can understand a little bit more where he's coming from, I guess, mm-hmm. um, at least in the, you know, the bigger idea of it. Um, I did think it was interesting, that conversation that he has with Butcher and his willingness to betray Homelander because he saw a bigger risk with Ryan being outed, I guess. Ryan's existence in being outed to the public was a bigger threat than Homelander being pissed at him. Yeah. And I think, which is interesting because we know that they, oh no, that Ryan is in public for the first time at Vought. Like they don't even know, like he's, they don't know who he is. Yeah, they don't know who he is yet. Yeah, I, to be honest, that whole deal part, I was like, I totally know what's going on here, but I know. Um, So I, yeah. So I think he made the deal to get Ryan back and he was mm going to turn Ryan over to Vought and keep him separated from Becca. But is if he gets Becca back. He gets Becca and he gives them Ryan. Yes. So that they could protect him. They could do whatever they want with him. They could, you know, brainwash him and turn him into the next homeland or whatever, Mm -hmm. but separate him from Becca but Butcher would go get him. 
and if they helped him because he knew where he was. I don't think Bond knew where they were. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Well, and I also think that one of the other things he says is like, this is your only leverage against Homelander. Like, this is your only way to control him. So I think that's there's an element of that, too. Or even... You know, Ryan is a very valuable asset to them, too, just in the same way that Homelander would be. And so, you know, I could see him making any deal to get Ryan back, you know. Yeah. Um, but, but Homelander does not take that well, I think. And, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. I mean, he is a real bad dude and a real bad dad, but I, he also, like, I don't know, can't kidnap my son. I kidnapped him first, you know. Yeah, and that they were, like, conspiring behind his back. That there was something going on at Vought that he didn't know about, I yes. think. And that they were working with Butcher mm-hmm. to get it done. Against him, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think this isn't something, like, tangential where the Deep has a water-adjacent crime and he doesn't yeah. have to care about <laughs> it. You know, this directly impacts him. And I do think yes. that's interesting because it, it just kind of shows they don't really care about him. Mm-hmm. And I think he already kind of knew, but now he for real knows. And just to watch him walk out of that cabin with the blood all over him, you know, I already talked about my thing with guys covered with blood, but just, I don't know. It's There's almost like this feeling of like catharsis when he has been able to split all of those people with his laser eyes, you know? Yeah. Even though we thankfully don't get to see it, but there's something also like he's willing to kill for his kid, which is not the worst thing in the world yeah it's just through the it's like what we were saying i just edited our episode where um stormfront and homelander hook up and where we were talking about how like if they were better people this would be great and it's kind of that feeling too you know like if he wasn't an evil bad guy like i would love to see him try to fight for his kid you know yeah the other thing is that he fell for that trick too i think probably oh yeah With the with the speakers and everything, and he's over there. He's like, "Huh, what's this about?" And then finally, right. clicks like, "God damn it, I fell for a distraction." <laughs> well, and it just tells you how much he's actually been tested. You know, I think he's so used to just showing up, lasering them, and like mm-hmm. getting whatever he wants. And he actually has a foe now that is worthy of him too. So, well, I've got one more villain or one more bad boy I want to talk about just briefly but I want to talk about (laughs) Ashley I don't know if like and maybe she can be our bridge between bad boys (laughs) and spice girls because in the same way like I see her kind of as maybe Mr. Edgar may have been like 20 30 years ago you know she's got this position of power and she knows that it's not real so she's got to figure out a way to work it and i feel like mr edgar is just the kind of person who has learned very well how to work the systems of power you know and i think that's i see that in ashley's future but um i also really love her babysitting and like she got all the dipping sauces and the yes. little west El- west elm death star i thought was really funny but yeah anything oh, you want to so say funny. about ashley i i just feel so sorry for this girl her hair's falling out she is having a rough go of it and i feel like she is going to either like turn into kind of a stillwell kind of character where she embraces it and empower like feels empowered and it's just like all right i'm gonna do this or she's just gonna have a complete and total like <laughs> mental breakdown and i have to be determined which way she's gonna go but she's not doing well and i feel bad mm-hmm. for her 
But I think she kind of liked babysitting for like a change of pace. I think. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Even though like this kid could kill her too. So she, I don't know. Just, there's just never an easy day on the job for her, is there? No, I can't. I, I can't imagine like getting up and be like, "All right, can't wait to go to work today." Sounds great. Love my job. <laughs> no, nope, never. Like she doesn't have weekends either. You know? Oh God, no. Or if she does, she, she just does. she just sleeps for yeah eighteen hours. That's what I do. You mm-hmm. know? Uh, well, let's move into our Spice Girls category, and oh, then this is one episode where I feel like the Spice Girls list is longer than the bad boys list and i want to talk about one person we've already mentioned him but a train is finally Mm -hmm. on the spice girls list i'm so excited you know talk to me about a train in this episode Uh, yeah finally i'm like yes i was so happy to see this um yeah i love how he shows up (laughs) oh yeah just, (laughs) just The jump scare you put that yeah like just pops yeah. up in the back of their car and hey, like, hey guys hey guys <laughs> and drops this bomb on them with mm-hmm. all of this um, information about Stormfront. He's been I think really smart with how he's handling the collective thing. Mm-hmm. He's been very cautious and just kind of absorbing this information and never giving into it or blowing it off like he's been very observant i think Mm -hmm. in how he's approached that situation and it pays off because he overhears i think alistair's having a conversation and overhears the fact you know stormfront's past or whatever and so yeah Mm -hmm. goes into the archives and finds a wealth of this information and then intentionally gives it to starlight and huey for them to leak yeah um and it pays off now he's back in the seven so it's like okay i'm I'm still like i don't understand what's going on with his health yeah um but it appears at least that he is doing better so maybe he's off the v not exactly sure but maybe that's helping yeah i don't know well and yeah you know maybe taking a little break also um not you know pushing himself so hard i think maybe helps too and the fresca you know, Fresca is there we go. It's got fruit in it. So, you know, <laughs> vitamin C, you just need that <laughs> exactly. little bit. <laughs> I've got a Fresca in my fridge right now. Somebody uh, left it for me or somebody brought it to my house and didn't drink it. And I've been really looking forward to it because Fresca is good. It's got too much sugar in it for me to drink it every day, but it is a nice little treat. <laughs> but one thing I think is interesting about A-Train, I agree with everything you said. I knew this turn was going to happen and I've been kind of looking forward to it. Um, but it's interesting because he gives them, he gives he, this to Huey and Annie. I think it's interesting to see how afraid they are of him, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it just puts in perspective the status of their relationship. Because one thing I think we've mentioned is that we see these characters every week. And it's easy for me to forget that they don't see each other all the time. Yeah. Um, but he says, okay, now we're even, you know? And I, I'm curious to know if you think that's, that that's even you know like if he has paid what he owes and i mean he did run he's done a lot of really bad things and i think that there is a part of him that is doing this to get back in the seven but i also don't think that's the only reason he's doing it i think there's a part of him that's like no this bitch needs to go down you know totally i think that he sees the threat of stormfront like i think just as he was being observant with the collective i'm sure he's been seeing what's been happening with the seven and like what is why is this happening and just the way he was also pushed out, I think, because he was there with her for a while. Mm-hmm. So I and she, you know, 
they had that really that really awkward conversation on the set remember Mm -hmm, and he's like yeah what do you what do you mean by that like what are you saying and so i i do think that that is kind of a an un i don't know unlauded skill of a trains is that no he's like a pretty good observer and he's gonna Mm -hmm. like just sit back and take it in and it might take him a minute before he reacts but when he does like it's it proves to be pretty powerful and I think in the bigger picture, they're even, I guess. I think that, I mean, they saved his life, <laughs> really. Yeah, so it's true. like, I don't know if it's actually quite the same thing. Yeah. But I think in, you know, in theory, and I think they appreciate it as a gesture more than anything. Mm-hmm. And that they're and- not going to, they're not going to rat on each other. Like, yeah, kind of like, okay, I've helped you. You've helped me. Let's just all right, we're moving on from this. I'm not going to hold this over you anymore. Yeah. And it feels like, you know, they're, they're kind of, I don't know if stalemate's quite the word, but like, it seems like there's like an uneasy truce or something. Right. And I don't know if Huey will ever quite get there, you know, mm-hmm. just because of what he saw. But I feel like he and Annie kind of have this understanding too, because I feel like they are in similar positions in a lot of ways. And there was that conversation they had earlier in the season when he was like, don't fuck with the money that I think is still kind of coming into play. Like, I think, I also think she wants allies, you know? And I think that when she like, because they are just coming off of maybe who we can talk about next, uh, Maeve turning them down. And I think, you know, anybody who's willing to help them out, I think for Annie is, is somebody, it, it's a good thing. Yeah. You know? And I think they have similar backgrounds in the way that they come from mm-hmm. quote unquote real families. And right. You, you know, like they didn't start in a lab like Homelander mm-hmm. and they didn't, you know, have kind of this privileged upbringing, like the deep in some ways, like they they have, they're a little bit more grounded, I think, at least yeah. in terms of in the seven. And so I, I, I do think that they see that in themselves. Like mm-hmm. they know what it's like to live outside of the fame, outside. And they both have families. And yeah, so I think that they're, they're connected in that way. I think, too. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that connection for them too, you know? Well, you just mentioned him. I there's I don't have him on this list because he doesn't really do anything in this episode. But yeah. the deep is not in the seven now. And fuck Fresca. Just love this man. You know, he's so terrible, but I love him. But I think you mentioned A-Train has played this Church of the Collective thing very well. And Deep has not. He's got he does not care about his wife. She doesn't even give good blowjobs. <laughs> oh, my God. And also when he's like. I'm anti-Nazi, <laughs> you know, it yep. just, oh, and what else does he say? Oh, how he gave up all of his money. Uh-huh. Which, not surprised at all, but also how quickly he's willing to turn on A-Train, you know, and he's like, oh, you look like a toxic person. Wait, hold on. And he just flip-flops and just shows you this person has no substance, you know? No. And I mean, I think that the church knew that. They, oh, they were totally. 100% using him and mm-hmm. he was just too stupid to see it. And yeah, of course he's gonna, he has no loyalty. He has no spine. He has yeah. no real moral compass. I don't think. Yeah. Unfortunately, ex- except when it comes to marine life, I will say he does seem to have like some sort of compassion and genuine affection for marine life so Mm -hmm. i'm not saying he's heartless 
he's yeah. just 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 such a beautiful idiot <laughs> yeah and he just feels so naive too you know it's like he has just been given everything and he doesn't understand that people are going to take advantage of you. It's, I don't know. It's just so interesting to watch him try to navigate the world without yeah. like this system. But what I will say is it's about to get so fucking good. With the <laughs> Season three okay, deep cool. is like one of my favorite things about the show. It's I, I'm so excited. I'm not going to say anything except that you said he has no spine like an arthropod. <laughs> oh, all <laughs> because right. He does like marine animals. Yes. So. All right, not going to – I'm zipping my lips and throwing the key away <laughs> before I spoil some fun stuff. All right, let's talk about Maeve because, yeah, speaking of another heartbreaking conversation, man, just that I'm tired. I know. Haven't I done enough? Doesn't matter what we do. Nothing ever changes. Nothing ever gets better. Oh, Maeve. It was so heartbreaking. Like, she just is so broken. I think mm -hmm. at least at least in the beginning of I think she's heart I think she's broken in all of it but mm -hmm. we do see her come out of it at least a little bit show that there's a spark of Maeve yeah. in there somewhere but yeah she's just not in a good place and yeah so when Starlight and he would go to her and be like hey you could testify like it would really mean a lot coming from you because you've been a part of this for so long like they would believe you mm -hmm. and she just can't yeah and just doesn't care because she's try. I think she's just tried and given so much of herself and it's never quite paid off. Yeah. And so why, like, why would I, why would I put myself through this again? Doesn't matter. Yeah. And it's like, it, it just makes me think about like how hard it is to go first in a lot of things, you know? And, and I think about Hillary Clinton and, and I'm not going to talk about like my personal political feelings, but just like they've said, like she has already run for president. She's done the hard work of being the first female president. So whoever comes after her is, it's going to be easier. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be easier because this, whoever it is, is not going to be first. And I think that's kind of what we see with Maeve is that, being the first female superhero and trying to have a conscience and trying to do the right thing. It's mm -hmm. just so hard. And that doesn't mean you can't, you shouldn't do it, but it also means like it, like I, I hear her when she says, haven't, isn't it enough? Like, when is it ever going to be enough? And it, it is not fair to the people that have to go first, but it's also, you know, somebody has to do it and she can. And I think she realizes that at the end because she does save the day. And without her stepping in, in two really crucial moments, I think this episode would have gone sideways in a bunch of different ways, you know? Yeah. I think it's interesting too, because once again, Starlight, I think is kind of bringing the best out of her in some ways just mm -hmm. by her not giving up in one way or another and like kind of being an example in some ways it's because if starlight was just like you know what you're right fuck it like who cares i can see yeah. mave just like not not trying to fight at all just completely giving in but i think mm -hmm. that she there's something that she sees in starlight that she finds very endearing in some ways mm -hmm. yeah and just her continuing to fight with this this team and so she's going to show up and i that gives me hope for Maeve that she's not a completely lost cause. She's just in a bad, a bad place because 
when she comes in with Kamiko and Starlight to fight off Stormfront, that's really the, you know, the the tide change you know, that's able yeah. to act for them to actually overpower her and make a difference. And I love when she shows up and the Peaches song plays, the boys want to be her. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, this was the moment that I was talking about. That's like one of my favorite things that I've ever seen on TV. Like, I just love it so much. So much that I'm not even mad at Frenchies. Like, men, girls really do get it done. Which I mean, it's it, so funny, though, because that's like exactly what you would hear in any other kind of superhero movie. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, I think it is it is a nice arc, too, of like how fake she has been with this whole, like she has really played this game, but now it's coming back to bite her in the ass. And also, if you're going to give anybody a line like that, give it to Frenchie because. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. Well, and Butcher like can't cool. say it. Be like, shut up, Butcher. <laughs> like, exactly. I know. Um, it, sounds, yeah. it sounds sweet and like honest coming from Frenchie in some ways. Um, yeah. I do think too, just, I love that fight scene because it feels very like it feels like a fight scene like i hate it, does. it in movies where girls are fighting and it's either really short or you know it plays on some other tropes like there's like some hair pulling or like some slapping mm-hmm. or something yep. so it's just really awesome to see a big brawl that feels mm-hmm. like a an actual fight not like some choreographed i mean it is obviously like an action fight but also it's just like oh man this is just like like a street fight or like a bar fight it's like intense and and it's very cool just to see them all use their their superpowers while the just normal dudes are just like i can't i can't do anything well and that's what i love about it is it's not like all the male superheroes are just kind of standing around eating popcorn it's like they are fighting because they are the only ones that can and like frenchie and huey and mm they have their their like devices or their guns but i mean they would all be dead in like a second if it wasn't mm-hmm. for these women who are so strong. And that's one of the things I think is so interesting about the boys is that it is really the female um, characters that have the superpowers, you know, and just yeah. watching that kind of dichotomy play out. It's so interesting. I did. I was surprised that we finally see Maeve use the plane footage. Like yep. she finally plays that card. Mm hmm. And she uses it, you know, not publicly, not to blackmail Homelander or whatever, but she uses it. I mean, I guess it's blackmail. She's threatening him with blackmail to save Butcher, Ryan, and Alina, even though they've broken up. Yeah. But just saying, like, you need to let leave them alone or I'm going to release this. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder if it's just like the tide has turned and she's like well, there's no going back now. I might as well do it, you know, and this is the right thing to do. And this is the right time, you know, and what she says too, because she's going down with him if this ever comes out, you know, yeah. but she's like, just as long as no one ever loves you again, which is just, it's so cold. And it, I feel like that's the, the, really the straw that breaks Homelander's back, you know, that like, no, I don't have anybody. He has nobody. Know? And that's what I think is great about this is that she actually did wait for the right moment. She didn't mm-hmm. just use it at the wrong moment where he would have just laughed in her face and yeah, like made her suffer for it. Like this was the moment when he's literally his walls are crumbling around him. Mm-hmm. And so it's I don't even think he really 
cared if she released the tape. It was more her standing up to him, I think. Yeah. That was upsetting yeah. him. Like, I don't There's even think... one more person he has. It's her. Yeah. And he doesn't yeah. have her. Yeah. He doesn't have her anymore. Like, oh, she's against me, too. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm actually alone. Like, I don't even think he cared about the footage. Yeah. Or, honestly, even about Butcher and Ryan. Mm-hmm. And, or, and I think Elena is probably the furthest from his mind. Like, oh, yeah. He doesn't care. But, I wonder if he even remembers. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. Like, he's like, who? Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't, I don't care about her. Whatever. Yeah. Um, this is about me, remember? <laughs> yeah. And I think that he just can't even necessarily process what's going on with Butcher and Ryan. So he's just, sure, whatever. Yeah. I don't care. I just, I just, I just, just got to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because Vought just turned against him. Ryan just chose another father his enemy to be his father figure and now and black noir has been neutralized which you know we don't see him at all we hear there's no brain damage but yeah he's in a coma i guess exactly but he doesn't have homelander's back you know so yeah who does he have he's got nobody Mm -hmm. well let's talk about starlight and huey um i we get a little bit more information about Huey's Billy Joel obsession, which I think is really sweet. How are you feeling about the two of them? I I mean, I loved it. I feel like yeah. they actually are coming. I think Huey and her, I think they're coming to a good place mm-hmm. where he's able to like let some of his fears kind of go. And that mm-hmm. honesty is proving to be beneficial to their relationship. Uh, talk. I. I mean, the talk. The thing about his Billy Joel, the the origin story with his mom, is so sweet and so sad. Mm-hmm. But I love that it wasn't just the story that they actually did something with it, mm-hmm. and kind of you know, he he realized that's maybe where he gets his clinginess from because mm-hmm. he doesn't want these people to leave him, and is aware of that, and in some ways is trying going to try to move past it, but not in Starlight's case. Yeah, <laughs> which I. Have sworn that was like word for word the 90210 when Kelly chooses herself oh, over Brandon and Dylan. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm gonna stand, or maybe it's at the end of some kind of wonderful when she's like, I'm gonna try to stand on my own for a little bit. Which Eric Stoltz in that movie is the dreamiest. <laughs> um, but yeah, they have this. I really like them together in this episode. They don't really do a whole lot, they're kind of just alongside a lot of the action because a lot of the heavier emotional beats go to other characters. But I am happy to see them like just sitting on the bench again, you know, not afraid for their lives. They're both off the hook. They both get to to come back to reality and like and maybe go on a date and it's really sweet. Um uh, and we also I, and I think that they they've reached a, another level where they're not just like trying to work together to solve these issues. Like they're actually um making choices depending on the other one in some mm-hmm. ways. Like because she, when they are trying to go find Maeve to get her to testify, Starlight says something about how she actually doesn't think this plan is going to work. Mm-hmm. I actually think that, yeah, we should just go, like, kill these people or whatever. But because Huey feels really strongly about it, she's going to go along with it. All right, let's try this. But yeah. I don't actually, like, this isn't what I would choose to do. But mm-hmm. she's doing it to support him. And I don't necessarily think that she would have done that. Um, at an earlier point. So I think that that's really sweet that they're both like trying to work together and they're making decisions more 
like in a you know relationship or friendship manner versus just selfish i guess yeah well i think they've both kind of shown that they can depend on each other you know Mm -hmm. because he just came to vat tower and rescued her in the last episode and like that was a huge like gamble but it paid off and so i think she she i th- I think she's known that he has a lot of like unique strengths that complement a lot of hers but i think we're i think you're right we're starting to actually see that in action too and just the yeah. look on both of their faces when they hit send too was just such a sweet little moment you know mm-hmm. um i also wanted to talk about um i put annie's mom back on the the spice oh, girls yeah. list too yeah. i just love where they get at the end of this episode i don't have a whole lot to say about it but um just like she's she's wearing her cross again, which mm-hmm. I think shows me some kind of healing is happening, you know. And I think her mom has finally seen what Vought really is and can really understand. And so it just it looks like they are both compared to where they were the middle of the season, where like nothing is good. I've lost everything. Everything is a lie, you know. I think she, it seems like she's coming back from that, which I which makes me really happy. Yeah, it's very sweet. Well, let's talk about um, Kamiko and Frenchie, and because mm-hmm. I'm kind of saving our last like little little throuple for not a throuple, a, a nuclear family, I guess <laughs> I should say. That throuple makes it really weird. But I'm kind of saving that for last. But so yeah, Kamiko and Frenchie again, not a ton, but they just have these really sweet little moments. Um, I think they are just so sweet, and I love them so much. And they're going dancing. Well. And we hear Kamiko laugh. For the, yes. Like, we, she makes a sound. Be, and I loved it because she expressed that she had some anxiety about the mm-hmm. next time, like, she's going to see Stormfront because the last time she felt like she froze. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that, you know, looking back at it, she likes that about herself, mm-hmm. that she reacted in that way, even though totally understandable. Oh, yeah. Um, and, but then when she does confront Stormfront, she doesn't react that way and in fact she laughs and it's so awesome because Mm -hmm. not only do we get to hear her actually make a some sort of vocalization but it's just her realizing like no i got this i can do this and that i think that that's part you know and because of frenchie and um the rest of the boys just kind of supporting her Mm -hmm. and just letting her know that they believe in her and that she can do it and i think she finally realizes that um so yeah, I, I I loved both of them in this, and mm-hmm. I we just get to see them both. I think at their their peak skill sets, like we get to see them on display. Like Frenchie builds all these like crazy devices and like mm-hmm. plans, kind of back to what we saw Frenchie do um, at various points. Just how smart he can be. <laughs> with mm-hmm. these yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then also just like how tough and badass Kamiko is. So yeah, I just want them to go on a double date with Annie and Huey. I just think it would be so sweet. And I love where we leave both of these couples too. Um, because yeah, I feel like they they were really starting to understand each other. They're starting to like actually communicate. And I think Frenchie has really kind of relaxed. Like he just says, You're capable, you're confident. And I think that is he needed to hear himself say it and also needed, you know, her to her for her to hear it too. So yeah. it's just it's so sweet. It makes me really happy where they are right now. I know. And I hope it lasts. Well, let's talk about um, a not-so-happy couple. Mm. Um, wait, I know. We're, okay. 
were you expecting this turn of events with Becca? No. That was sad. Yeah, that's really sad. So, yeah, Becca fights for her son. I love her showing up. Oh, I love when everybody swarms her and they're like, we've heard a lot about you. And they just like... They'd never met her, right? So none of them have because she had disappeared when he kind of went on this initial direction, right? So they've Mm -hmm. never met her, which is crazy. It's so sweet. Yeah. And for her to say, I like Huey, I think he's good for you. You know, I think that's really sweet too. Um, But she says something really interesting, I think, to... um, to butcher and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with homelander is that like it's not just about me wanting to raise ryan it's that he cannot turn into another homelander because Mm -hmm. he and i i imagine that is what she's told herself every day that she's been stuck here with this child of her rapist is that like i have a responsibility to the rest of the world to make sure that this little boy grows up to be a sweet little boy and from everything we see and i guess we can maybe talk about butcher becca and ryan all together like he does seem really sweet he just misses his mom you know i know he yeah i think he's i think ryan's you know understandably attracted to this new thing in his life right the homelander and stormfront and like kind of excited about it but also kind of nervous about it i don't think he actually knows what he is and everything he's doing it's like okay that feels very authentic to what Mm -hmm. a child would do but oof when he okay so he ultimately conjures up his powers to Mm -hmm. defend his mom and ends up ultimately it works he kills stormfront but also accidentally kills his mom and that's just like so brutal Mm. and i think it really um i don't know butcher just goes through some weird things in this with him because like i really can't believe it's like uh, he was really just gonna give him up yeah like how how would he possibly explain that to becca i know and do you think she would still want to be with him after he did that if she knew that like that's so stupid <laughs> i don't think so and i wonder if he ever actually thought he could go through with it you know mm-hmm. or i wonder if there was a piece of him that was like i just need to find them and then i'll go from there you know yeah. and, and maybe he did have the intention of you know keeping them together but yeah his willing to give both of them up for her to be happy i think is it's just really sweet and that's that real love you know that we were talking about I think if there were one, I don't want to say criticism, but if there's one thing I would change about this scene where Becca dies, it's she's telling Butcher, like, and it just breaks my heart, like, make sure he knows it's not his fault. Yeah. And I want her to tell him. I want her to say, bring him over to me. I mean, I don't know if he, I would want my son to see that. Right. But, you know, I I would want to hear that. I would want to tell that to him myself, you know. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Butcher promises to protect him, promises to make sure he is, in his words, not a cunt, which I think is (laughs) hilarious and so sweet to hear this little kid say that. But it just it just breaks my heart for Butcher. He was so close, you know? Yeah. And it's like, what is he going to do next? I mean, I'm I'm sure we're going to see. But yeah, yeah, like what he's been working towards this goal for so long Mm -hmm. and seen it stripped away multiple times right because she sends him away the first time and now it's like no now she's like gone gone 
She's gone, gone. And now he's yeah. got this responsibility that he promised her, you know? And so, mm-hmm. and I think I I really love that we see Ryan go with Grace Mallory. I think that's a really sweet, like, especially knowing she's lost her own grandchildren, yeah. you know? Um, but I think I just, I don't know. I can't imagine how hard that must be for him to lose that. And it kind of makes me you know i think he and butcher are parallel have parallel path i'm sorry i think he and homelander have parallel paths in a lot of ways and i think mm-hmm. he has lost everything now too except he still has the boys and you know i don't just, know in the there's people that will care about him in some way you know yeah and kind of maybe it's the reverse of like what we were saying about homelander is that he sees that vaught is empty and I think maybe Butcher is now seeing that the boys can be what he has, you know, right. and that he, he there is something for him because Grace essentially offers him a job. It's like, hey, now that y'all aren't fugitives anymore, I can pay you to be the boys and, you know, yes. maybe y'all can have uniforms or something. So. Oh, my gosh. That would be cute. They would never (laughs) wear uniforms, though. But it is really sweet. We have a little montage where everybody gets to go back home and we see M.M. and his daughter. And it just. I know. Finally, they get all that, like, all that stuff lifted and they don't have to hide anymore. And I guess it was not worth it. But I'm I'm happy to see that M.M. was able to go home and they accept him back at least. Yeah, I think is what it seems. It looks like um, it. Yeah, I can't remember. Do we see Monique or do we just, I think we just see, see his daughter? I think we just see his daughter. Yeah, which I mean, you know, that's ultimately, maybe. yeah, they'll, they'll yeah. figure it out. They <laughs> will. I, yeah, I have faith in them. Was there anything else we want to say about any of our characters before we move into our next category? Um, I guess I'm just I'm glad that Stormfront's gone. I don't know if we actually said that. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad, too. I mean. Maybe she's gone. You know, she's still she alive at the end of the episode, although she looks neutralized. And pretty she toasty. is, yeah, she's pretty toasty. And also, like, she's out of the seven. So she's, like, publicly gone, too, which I think right. for a person like that is just as important as actually being dead, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she's gone. They, it looks like things are back to normal, you know? Um, I do want to give a shout out to Aya Cash because she just killed that role and just yes. loved her. Yeah. So put her in more things, guys. Um. All right. Well, let's move into our next category, which is good and evil. And I've already mentioned a couple of the things that I wanted to talk about. So just how excited they were to see Becca and just those couple of moments where Butcher gets to be happy. And I love the moment where M.M. is saying, you know, like, of all of the shit that you've asked us to do, like, yeah, we're doing the good thing. We're doing the right thing with you. Right. I I do think there's an interesting idea. You have, you have, you put on here, you know, how Homelander and Butcher are both mourning their ladies. And I mm-hmm. think that that's, we've seen that, how they kind of mirror each other in some mm-hmm. ways a lot of the time. But it's kind of the idea of the collateral damage. Yeah. Yeah. How mm-hmm. like these men and these issues and ultimately, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like Stormfront, Stormfront was bad. Stormfront yeah, deserved bad. everything she got. <laughs> yes. But it was kind of this plan and Homelander's things with his son and everything that put her in this position where she actually ended up getting killed and, um, you know, confronting her with Becca and so the sort of the collateral damage of their fight 
ended up killing these two people that they cared about. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that that was a nice mirroring effect. Although the scales are tip, obviously Becca's a lot better than Storm. Right, Rose. right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's it's just interesting to see like what this like this like consuming kind of love quote-unquote love for some right. of them goes or like obsession too you know because yeah. i think they both use the idea of these women in their lives in some really interesting ways that do kind of run parallel and crisscross with each other i just really love them as characters that just feel like polar opposites of the spectrum yeah i think we've oh oh i did want to say one thing and I can't even remember who said this. I think it might be Annie. But I just wrote down, if you jump ship and let the assholes steer, then you're part of the problem. Which I think is really interesting. And I think yeah. there's a lot that I agree with there, but there's also a lot that I don't. And so, I okay, now that I'm remembering, it's Annie going back to being in the seven. Right. And I think if I were in her position, I would do the same thing, you know. Um, because, yeah, if she leaves... Who's there? It's Homelander and a bunch of people she knows are probably not going to stand up to him. So, Well, and I think that that's kind of, you know, what we see Huey do too, right? Like he Mm -hmm. goes at the very end and is like, hey, I'm going to work for Newman. Like I'm going to, you know, be part of the solution, not the problem. Yeah. But, but, you know, we'll see if that actually pans out. (laughs) But I think he takes it to heart in that way. And same thing, like like sometimes it's just you're going to get more done if you fight it from the inside and change the actual system versus Mm -hmm. just, you know, constantly fighting the one that's in place. Like, well, why don't you just change it? Then you don't have to fight it. Yeah. Well, and I also think like one thing that I love about the show that I think is a theme we keep coming back to is there's no absolute right or wrong, you know, and I think before there was a time to work from the outside and maybe now Mm -hmm. is the time to try to work from within and and see how that goes and and it's just a flow you know it's like i don't know there's never an absolute right or an absolute wrong there's a you just got to trust your gut and i think that's what we see huey getting really good at doing is saying this is this is who i am this is what i can do and i'm going to do it now Mm -hmm. and i really like that turn for him well, let's move into shock and awe. And I, I've already mentioned, I think, quite a bit of what I wanted to talk about. But I just wrote, oh, fuck these guys with this supervillain hero <laughs> PSA at the beginning as yeah. a former teacher who had to do a lot of those drills to watch that teacher pull that gun out of her desk drawer. I was like, man, fuck those guys. And they're not even real. But they might as well be because that's shit that we see all the time. Yes, just another example of, you know, just in case you didn't catch yeah. any of the commentary the boys have been making, they just mm. they just put those little nuggets there right at the beginning for you so that you can, no denying, yeah, <laughs> some of the the social commentary that they're making it. So it's it's like so darkly humorous because it's like oh you're laughing and then all of a sudden you're like oh sad. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, I think, because we start, you know, it's been a while since I watched the last episode. And I think we see everybody is in a state of panic because what they just saw, they saw like live executions and they don't understand. And I think it's one of those events, like, I don't want to compare it to 9-11, but it's kind of that moment where like, you don't know what to do and you're just afraid. And Mm -hmm. I think Vought is really using that 
in a lot of ways. But I also think the Vada scared too because they can't control this. And Soup's died too, you know. Oh, well, so along that line, it was surprising they were hearing about how they were going to start giving they declared a national emergency and how compound V is going to be given to first responders. Mm, no. <laughs> so, oh, I missed you that. know, mm. yeah. So they talked about how like, yeah, like paramedics and cops and firefighters, they're going to start giving compound V to like, so that they can fight these people. And it's like, Whoa. Okay. Oh, like you're just going to start, you're just going to start just giving it out. Huh? <laughs> okay. Oh. Yeah, let's definitely give compound V out to cops. Yeah, like maybe there should be a screening process, but the panic Mm -hmm. is driving the actions versus, you know, so they're just reacting versus actually like taking the time to like, oh, maybe we should think about this a little bit. Um, Letting the fear motivate it more than like long-term logical thinking about the consequences. It's just, we got to deal with this issue, not thinking about the next 10 issues that might happen because of how you reacted to that one. Yeah. So I I thought that was a, a little... A sly little thing that was in there I was like oh that's interesting <laughs> okay and it it's so interesting com- considering who did it too because from everything we've seen victoria newman arguing for like she was arguing against having soups in the military and so this action at the hearing like is causing this panic and it's just so it makes me really wonder what her end game is with this you know yeah like what does she actually want and the other thing that i think is interesting is that gets squashed when this revelation about stormfront comes out even though there's not really a connection between the two like i guess they are saying stormfront was the head popper right yeah i or that she was involved with it yeah yeah yeah, but it, it almost just feels like here's a big thing that we all freaked out about and here's another thing we're going to freak out in a totally different way and forget about that thing. And I think that's something that we see over and over and over again in real life. It's like, what's what's the next emergency or the next thing that I can make you afraid of, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just turns out that this time it's a good thing to fear and the result is better, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't know who I wrote I Can Do Whatever the Fuck I Want was supposed to be about. Well, Homelander. Oh, Homelander. Oh, that's him jacking off on the building. That's right. So I found a really, like, interesting bit of trivia about this scene. Um, So that final scene of Homelander was, it was going to be, apparently, in season one. That they filmed it, had it, it was going to be in season one, but Amazon cut it. (laughs) and so but they still had it and then um so at this time there was a different scene that they had in mind i guess they didn't film it but to end holdlander's arc and this time amazon said "Mm, i'm not sure if we're really like if that portrays homelander's broken state of mind well enough so kripke was like well we've got this thing can we use this and amazon was like yeah okay (laughs) So they used it for that. And I thought that that was super interesting that they had this for something totally else. But it works perfectly in this scenario, I think. It is kind of an evergreen Homelander scene, you know. Mm-hmm. And I there's like a couple of different levels, too, because I wonder if they cut it in season one because it was a new show. They weren't sure how it was going to play. And now that we've got season one and we've seen how successful it is, and now we can do whatever the fuck we want. Oh, exactly. And- I Yeah, I totally think that's part of it. They're like, I don't know. This is going a little too far. But right. now they're like, just, yeah, yeah, sure. Do that. 
that works great. I really like to think that there's little blobs of jizz kind of like floating up into the air. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that actually is happening. It like flies. (laughs) Exactly. It's like zero gravity come, you know. Ooh. Oh, yeah. And you put knife to uh, Stormfront's eye, which, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was. Becca. Yeah. When she stabs her in the eye, like that was very brutal. And I just love it because, I mean, Stormfront's obviously very powerful and a superhero. So it's nice to see that, hey, the humans can get in a few hits here and there. Yeah. Even those not necessarily trained, like, you know, her eyeball, it didn't just bounce off her eyeball. Like she can still. Yeah. Get slowed down, I guess, a little bit. That's some mama bear action, too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you mess with my son. I don't care that you're about to kill me. I'm going to stab you, you know? Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's choose our fighters. So, Rachel, who's your MVP of the episode and why do you love them? I, this is really hard for this episode. I know. Yeah. Because, like, I loved seeing... Starlight and Huey together. I love seeing that whole girl fight. I'm just going to say my MVP is that girl fight. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Yes. That is a perfect one. It's so good. The me or the gif of that. Like, I just want to tattoo it on my brain or have like a hologram playing in my room of all time because it's just so cool. It's yeah, like, it's super cool. That's when I say like stuff like girls get it done, even though it feels cheesy, like Sometimes it's just nice to see that shit, you know, and to hear well, it feels, say it, yeah, you know? it feels like they're getting it done. Like, that's what I love about mm-hmm. it. It feels intense. It feels brutal. It's, you know, I, I don't feel like they were restraining anything. And they all look like shit afterwards. They like, sure they do. Are, they are all beat up. Like, you know, their hair's not perfect. Like, even Stormfront mm-hmm. is like, oh, God. Like, she is yeah. seeing better days. And so I love that they actually show the physical toll of a fight like that. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, Kamiko, her neck, like she's out for a while until she heals. Yeah, until just that snap. And it's almost like Maeve brought her back to life, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, I just love it. And just the turn for Maeve, you know, we knew, I feel like we kind of knew she was going to save the day at some point, but you never know when. Um, And also love that they are not beating up like a misogynist boy you know like and i would like to you know i'm not saying i wouldn't want to see that but it just feels like this is such a human scene because they are a girl they're all female and it just shows that like girls can be good guys and bad guys you know Mm -hmm. and there's a whole range because girls are humans you know yeah it just it's i love it it's perfection i want to give a shout out to a train Mm-hmm. But I'm going to pick Homelander, I think, not just because he looks hot with all that blood over him, <laughs> um, but also it's mostly because of that scene at the end. Like, I think Anthony Starr in this episode, like the range that he's going through to have these really tender scenes with mm-hmm. Ryan and then to just like how cold he looks in that scene where he's like, you can feel him slowly dying inside. And I think it's just such a great performance i feel like i know he's gotten some attention from it but i think for for this actor to kind of come out of nowhere into this role too i think it's just it's so good he's got such good control over his face he really does yeah like just the slightest thing like he could just like barely twitch his eye and it's just like oh (laughs) like it's so it's he's yeah he's incredible i think this is a perfect casting 
Totally. I know. And it's, I don't know if you've seen Cobweb yet, but it makes I me, have. Yeah. It, he's so good in that too. And I yeah. just, I love the way he can play with like this hero sinister, like just mm-hmm. really riding that line, you know, but I want to see him in everything, not just cause he's hot, but also because I think he's really doing a great yeah. job. And I think the show really knows how to play up his strengths. Also, for him to give this good of a performance and film a scene where he is jacking off on top of a building, you know, I think that tell that tells me that, that this range. is a performer. Exactly. And that he's willing to do stuff like that. I just think yes. it's great. Yep. All right. Well, predictions. So we good are boy. at the end of season two. What do you think? I, I've almost sent you the trailer for season three. I'm not going to. It's up to you if you want to watch it, but uh, I will restrain myself. But what do you think is going to happen next and what are you excited to see? I, well, okay. I feel like this episode is just like a major tipping point. And so I have to imagine that next season we're going to feel the impact of that free fall in some ways. <laughs> um, you know, especially when it comes to Homelander. I Once again, it's interesting because I was also afraid of what came next for him in the last season. And I feel like now it's like, oh, we're even darker. Like he definitely Mm -hmm. had an upswing, I think, in some ways in this last season. Mm -hmm. And now he's back even below where he was when we saw him with Stillwell. So Mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know. I genuinely don't know what's going to come for Homelander, but I don't feel like it's good. Um, And then Butcher... I feel like he's going to have another crisis of identity and purpose, but I'm hopeful. I feel hopeful for Butcher, which is interesting because I don't necessarily know if I would have felt that way a little bit earlier in the season, but I'm Mm -hmm. hoping that somehow maybe he's learned something and will come out stronger. We'll see once he processes his grief. Also, I do think it like I love that Huey seems to have more clarity than ever finally Mm -hmm. but I do feel like once again he might get blindsided by that new clarity especially when it comes to Newman yeah I'm still very unsure about her motivations and I'm worried that somehow Huey's going to be caught in the crossfires unexpectedly or you know doesn't see it coming and um I mean I don't know it's black noir he better come back. <laughs> He's in a coma. So yeah. I'm hoping that there's some sort of dramatic Black Noir's back scene <laughs> where he wakes up one day. So, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Newman, I think we're going to get more Newman action for sure. They can't just leave us with that and oh, not no, get yeah. more, more Newman action. So expecting a lot more of that. Well, I will say season, the only thing I'll say is that season three is my favorite of all of them. So I cannot wait to talk about some of these episodes. Oh, I'm so excited. Like two of the four things that I want, I was saying earlier in season three. (laughs) And let's wrap up with some plugs. I was about to start talking about more things I was excited about in season three, but I don't want to spoil anything. So, Rachel, where can we find you and what do you have coming up? Sure. So um, over on the Halloweenies, we just kind of wrapped up the actual Chucky proper franchise, I guess you can say, covered the series. So in December, we're going to be kind of looking back at the entire franchise. You'll get our ranking episodes. And then also we're going to be covering 
uh, the Child Play remake. So that will be quite Ooh. interesting. Remake, reboot, re—I don't know. The Mark the 20, Hamill the, one. <laughs> yes, the Mark Hamill in the 2019. Um, so that'll be fun. A lot of those boys have not seen that film, and I cannot wait to hear what they think. Interesting. That'll be a fun one for Christmas too, because I feel like it's like a. It is a holiday movie, right? There's holiday. Yeah, she's the president. Yeah. 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 I haven't seen it in a while either. And I'm not sure I actually saw the whole thing. So yeah, I'm, I'll be excited to, to listen to that and hear y'all's thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me at Jim Ferratu on various social media places. Also hosting the Losers Club podcast. We're about to get into 112263, which is going to take us to the end of the year and lots of fun stuff coming up that I'm actually not sure what it's going to be yet, but it'll be great. It'll be fun. And you'll love it. Yeah. <laughs> and you can also find me co-hosting the Lady Killers podcast, which is all about female killers in the horror genre and co-hosting the White Ladies in Crisis podcast on this very pod network where we talk about uh, erotic thrillers and occasionally some exercise shows. Um, if an exercise show ever comes back because it's over. But that's where you can find me. And that is it for this season of the girls on the boys. We want to give a huge thank you to the anatomy of a screen pod squad. Um, please make sure to check out the other fantastic shows in the feed. And we are going to be back in your ears. I said we were done with this season, but we are going to do another season two recap. I feel like so many things, so many big arcs I really want to talk about from start to finish that we just, it's hard to do when you're really into the details of an episode. So hopefully we're going to have a special guest to talk about that with us. And then we're also going to be, we've kind of teased it a little bit where we're going to talk about Superman too also. Mm -hmm. So excited for that. Um, so yeah, back in your ears in two weeks and it's going to be one of those episodes and I'm not exactly sure which, but it'll be be fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but until then, remember you guys, you are the real heroes. Squad.